You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. While you were skipping stones, building forts, and flying kites, I was missing school and on my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me, growing up Broadway. Little me. Hello, friends. It's Mark Tuminelli. Welcome back to another episode of Little Me, Growing Up Broadway. My guest today is an actress and a singer who has appeared on Broadway, on television, in movies, in the cabaret scene, and in a variety of commercials. She was last seen on Broadway as Huddle in the acclaimed revival of Fiddler on the Roof. She has originated roles in many musicals, including Stephen Schwartz and Charles Strauss's Rags at the Goodspeed Opera House, which we will be talking about, The Flamingo Kid at Hartford Stage, and Disney's A Hunchback of Notre Dame at La Jolla, and also Paper Mill Playhouse. She made her Broadway debut at the age of 12 in Bos Lerman's production of Puccini's La Boheme. On the small screen, Samantha has been seen on Mr. Mercedes, Chicago Fire, NCIS New Orleans, The Good Fight and Elementary, and at New York City Encores, she's appeared in Little Me, and It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman. She's a graduate of the University of Michigan, which is a super fancy school, um, so you know she's talented. Please welcome Samantha Massell. How are you? Woo, I'm good. How are you? Thank you for being here. I'm so excited to like unpack your Broadway childhood story, which I did not know. So this I is feel like nobody knows this about me. So I like I'm very eager to to chat you're, about it. You're a surprise child star, and I'm you're and you're <laughs> very sweet and not crazy. So it worked out. You did okay. Uh, I'm honestly, more on that later. But like, yeah, like yes, <laughs> great. So, but you made your Broadway debut in La Boheme on Broadway, um, mm-hmm. which was this big sort of remount of normally you would see it at the opera, but it was like the Broadway version of La Boheme. But I want to hear what was happening. You were 12 then? Yeah. What was, was happening 12. before 12? Great. What was happening before 12? Well, I was definitely like that kid who, I mean, like all I did was watch Annie and Fiddler on the Roof, like those movies on repeat. My mom would have people over for dinner and I would be like, okay, everyone, like, pause at the appetizers. I'm going to do all of Fiddler on the Roof for you now. And everyone All of it. Yeah, just, like, all of it. I'd be like, I'm Yenta, I'm Golda, I'm Devya, I'm the daughters. Like, I'm everyone. You were prepared. Um, yeah, and I, like, when I was little, you know, teacher, I think someone in, like, nursery school pulled my mom aside and was like, your daughter has an ear for this. You should get her into lessons. So I was in singing lessons and, like, all sorts of different Where'd things. Where'd you grow up? So I grew up in New York City, which is kind of like the, yeah, that's like the important uh, little tidbit that I neglected to mention. Thank you. Um, LOL. Yeah. So um, I was like a real New York City kid, which is, I think, always a very, a very fascinating child. 
you know, people always say stuff like that or they'll ask me questions and they're like, what was it like growing up in New York City? And I'm like, honestly, I don't really know because I didn't grow up anywhere else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but I loved it. And there was obviously a lot of access to the arts, which was as I was developing my interest and passion for music and theater and all of those things was um, amazing to have. Um, Were they yeah, taking you to a lot of Broadway shows? Like what do you remember seeing that had a big influence on you as a kid? Yeah. My first Broadway show was the Lion King. And I like remember reaching out to like touch the elephant in the aisle. And then like three weeks later, my mom took me to go see Ragtime. And I truly remember being like, what the bleep is happening? <laughs> like, I was like, I don't know. I'm asleep. Like I like, how what? little were you? Oh, I'm going to age myself. Oh, you're going to age yourself. I was, I think I was six. Like I saw both okay. of those in a row. Ragtime certainly sailed right over my head. <laughs> yes. I, I imagine at six years old, uh, but Lion King, you could forget it. Forget I probably, it. I probably sat you and your family in your seat. Cause I Did ushered you do that? Oh my God. The, that's so funny. This is my first job in New York city. Yeah. That's wild. I'm that. very old. So if you were six, I was ushering there, which means I was old enough to work for the Disney company. Well, honey, you look great. Thank you. No, <laughs> um, okay, so you're seeing shows. You're in, like, you know, you're a kid in New York City. You're you're saw, in the mix of it. I had some. I think there was like an Annie revival at the time, and I saw that, and there were kids in that, and I also remember seeing Donna Murphy and The King and I, and I remember like looking over to my mom, being like, "There are children up here. Like, why am I not here?" This, and I was starting to ask these like in, insane questions for a child, where I'd be like. We'd just be at dinner. I'd be like, can I have an agent? And she'd be like, where did you learn this word? <laughs> like, Or I'd ask, like, I wanted to perform on a stage, not just for parents. Okay. So my mom um, heard about the New York City Opera Children's Chorus, and she put me in that. So I got, I auditioned for that, and I got in. I made a solo debut when I was a kid. Like, I was in the Ballad of Baby Doe with Elizabeth Futrell. I played her daughter. And then I was also just, like, in Carmen and La Boheme and... L'Enfant et les Sortilèges. Like I was in all of these operas and Monday night I'd be in this and Tuesday night I'd be in this and Wednesday I was off. And like, I was busy in that world. Um, and my mom had heard about this child agent, um, Nancy Carson. Legend and Nancy Carson. Legend if, Nancy. if you have not listened to Nancy's episode of the Little Me podcast, I give a to. pause here, go check out Nancy Carson and then join us again. Because I was like, let me hang up on you, Mark, me, and I'll call on. you back in 40. <laughs> it's a great episode. And she spills some like big old tea. So I love it. Okay, keep going. Um, so if your mom oh, heard about I'm, Nancy Carson. I'm skipping a part of the story. I'm so sorry. Okay. So I was like doing some some of this like New York City opera stuff. And like I liked it, but like I really wanted to do musicals. Um and I used to take this like some sort of like musical theater acting class at the Ripley Greer on 72nd Street, which is like this yeah. <laughs> creepy old building. <laughs> and there was one day where I um I was like going, I must have been like eight, maybe I was nine. And I was like supposed to go up to my class. And I I got up to like the main floor and I heard all of these songs from Annie and like like a moth to a flame. I just like was like, what is happening? And I walked in and there were all of these kids auditioning for the ABC Annie remake. And I saw that they had written their names down on a sheet. So I just sat down, picked up the sheet, wrote my name on it and, and deposited it. <laughs> I, like the audacity, like I, I must've been so fearless. My mom literally was like, Samantha, you have a class, like you need to go upstairs. And I was like, I'm auditioning for Annie. Like you're out of your mind. <laughs> like, oh my God. Did um, they like call you in? Did you go in the room? Did it all happen? Through, like all of these people, hours pass by. Every girl in New York City who has an appointment has gone. And finally the casting director walks out of the room like with her briefcase, like her day is <laughs> over. And there's this little kid with red glasses being like, it's my turn. 
And she looks at my mother with like, and she's just like so annoyed. And she was like, oh God, do you have a headshot? And my mom's like, no. She's like, do you have a resume? And I'm like, I don't know what that is. And my mom just goes, I'm so sorry. She doesn't even have an appointment. And she was like, I couldn't have kept her from this room. Like if, you know, anyway. So the woman just goes, well, does she know the songs from Annie? My mom went, yes. That we know. (laughs) That we know. So this woman brings me in and she kept me in for 45 minutes. And I sang through like the whole score of Annie. Nothing ever happened with us, by the way. And then she comes out and she looks at my mother like my mom is a criminal. And she went, you have to get this kid an agent. She walks away. Do you remember who that casting director was? No, I actually should totally look that up and be like, yeah, remember I, gonna, child. I don't remember who cast that. I'll, I'll ask Alicia Morton. Um, I feel like it was the Telsey office, but maybe I'm, I'm wrong. I don't think it was Telsey. Oh, I mean like, this is like a classic childhood story for me. And then basically my mom, I was like doing some opera stuff at the time. And my mom had heard about Nancy Carson and my mother called Nancy and was like, look, all of these kids end up on drugs. I don't want my kid to do this. And Nancy was like, okay. Um, clearly I mean, this I'm actually Nancy kid. probably loved that. What? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. It was so coming from me. Like my mom yeah. called her and was like, give me a hundred reasons not to do this. And Nancy was like, come have a meeting. <laughs> love it. And then I went and had a meeting and I started working with her and that's sort of how I started. And then what kind of things were you auditioning for once you were with Nancy? Yeah. All of those things. It's so funny. Like so many years later, I have, I have like very vivid memories of some of those like big things. Like I was in the, I like, I think I was like going to get the offer for the sound of music tour for Brigida. And then like the girl resigned and I was devastated. And I wore a green velvet dress with a lace trim and like, I auditioned for Annie, get your gun. And I auditioned for like all sorts of stuff. And I did. How are you not a Cosette? How are you not a little baby Cosette? I think uh, one thing that was, by the time I started, I I, like, like I had such like, I was like, mommy, you kept me away from this too long. I'm too big. Like I was just a little too tall. Mm -hmm. Like I started a little too late to, and I wasn't one of those kids, which was like such a thing with all these child actors who like was 12, but looked like they were six. Like Got I was 12 it. and I looked like I was 12. Talk to me about how La Boheme came to you. Cause that yeah. must've felt like I'm an opera kid. And now there's going to be this opera on Broadway, which is the dream. Pretty much. Yeah. So I had done this off Broadway show and that was, I guess a year before La Boheme. There's also like, there was this one day in that off Broadway show where I was like playing a twin of this other girl. And, like she couldn't get across the bridge and I played both parts. Like all of these like bizarre, crazy stories that are just like a little notch in your belt. Just your, weird like, things only theater kids do. Only theater kids do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the La Boheme audition came around and I think you should like sing a song. And I'd obviously at that point been in La Boheme maybe like three or four times. Like I was very familiar with this. And I think I got a call back and at the second or third callback, they had, they needed the kids to prove that they could sing the Italian. And I was like, Italian? (laughs) (laughs) No problem. Let me, let me, uh, yeah, I just knew it by heart. So I was a very easy, um, an easy sell. And then, um, this is also like a great story. They, the final callback for the kids in Labo M, they took all 16 kids who they ended up casting to a roller rink in I think the Bronx because four kids, two in each performance were going to have to roller skate. And I guess they wanted to determine who those kids would be, but we didn't all know that we were already cast, but they were literally like, who will be the roller skaters and are the parents normal? So they threw us like a roller skating pizza party for 16 children. Telsey and company threw this party. (laughs) (laughs) They determined who the roller skaters were, including Joe Jonas of the Jonas brothers. And um, then we all got the job. 
did they tell you that day? When did you find, how did you find out that you got it? We got a call. I think like that, that was over the weekend. That was also the weekend I got a dog when I was a kid. So we named the dog Puccini and like big weekend when you're 12. (laughs) Oh my God. That's a big weekend now. Yeah. Big (laughs) Broadway show, get a puppy. Yes. Um, Okay, so let's talk about the rehearsal process for all the women. This was a huge Broadway show. Didn't mm-hmm. have three sets of cast or three lead cast, if I remember correctly. We had three sets of um, lead leads, two sets of secondary leads, and then two sets of children. <laughs> Great. So were there eight kids or per in cast. each show? Is that like per cast? Yeah. And then one girl ended up dropping out who's since become one of my – she booked two Broadway shows as a child. Um, Sarah Kapner is one of my best friends. Um, and, like, we've beca- we became friends at that callback. Like, she is – it's amazing. Um, ironically, and our parents stayed in touch and she was another child actor who like turned out very normal. And um, yeah, we, and there was one girl who was the daughter of who her, she's now a manager, actually. Kathy Olson is the mom and the daughter, Jennifer Olson. She did both shows. She breaking the Agma rules or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> now, where, how was Boz Lerman with the kids? I mean, obviously it seems like a kind of scary guy to work for as a right. child. I mean, we were so we were so well taken care of. And it was like, because we were only doing four a week, I, I never really had to miss school because I was only doing two Wednesday matinees a month. I went to Hunter which High School and elementary school, which is a very academically focused, like rigorous education. Um, and they happened to have a thing where we had like Wednesday afternoons off once a month. So I literally missed like one class a month. Like it just like worked out in this like incredible way. Um, and it, I don't know. I mean, like, boss was wonderful. Like, I just remember the whole experience being so seamless and easy. Like, I feel like you hear all these horror stories of things that directors said to children or like something, something like I have, I really didn't have that experience. Like I was treated so well by everyone from, from boss to, to, I mean, no one in that building did anything, but treat us like real kids who they were lucky to have with them. It was really yeah. a, a really wonderful experience. Well, speaking of school, did you feel kind of fancy at school that you were like in a Broadway show at night? I'm like, I always love that story of whatever that feels like to be a working actor kid who, you know, everybody kind of like whispers about in the hallway. They're like, that girl is on Broadway. Oh we had like a pre-Olympic ice skater in my high school. Oh, wow. And it was like, she used to, she used to be able to, Diana Marrow, that's her name. Um, <laughs> she used to come to school late and I was so jealous. I was like, wow. I want to be a star like her. I'll take a bike skating. Yeah, not go to school. Um, what did that feel like to be like a, a working actor kid in school? I don't know. I think I knew it was special. And like, fortunately, I was surrounded by other kids who had grown up in New York who had a sense that it was special and not lame, which was really yeah. good. I mean, I'd also been working professionally. Like I did that off-Broadway show when I was in fifth grade. I did like other little things here and there. Like I was in the opera at night. Like, so it wasn't an unknown quantity. When I did this, when I did Lab OM, I was in seventh grade, which is where at Hunter actually we start high school because it's accelerated two years. So a bunch of new kids came in and I was like, I'm Sam and I'm going off to my matinee. I, I do remember feeling a little like people would think it was weird, but nobody did that. Nor did I also feel like a hotshot. Like I was not a popular kid. Like I didn't have any of that cool stuff going for me. I just had this thing. Well, it's it's a very exciting thing. Now, <laughs> La Boheme on Broadway, I remember it being one of the most beautiful things I had ever seen. Oh, wow. And that, that must have felt pretty magical as a kid. Like what do you remember about actually doing the show and being in the middle of what looked like a movie, but it just was live on stage. It was pretty incredible. Um, God, I... I really remember the sense of family. Like I remember 
like, I can tell you like who I, what adults I stood with at certain times. And like, I remember that. I remember, I remember at my age being, despite my age, being aware of the sense of artistry of what we were doing. Like we all came on at the top of act two when we like milled around and then like, we like, the music started and we all froze. Like there was like a thing, like it felt like we were like, and now we do the theater, which was sort of um, like a heightened cool thing that felt that I was aware of as a child. Um, one thing I always say is um, I had to throw a basketball in this show. That's like how like the act two opened was like the movement started again. And I threw a basketball to one principal and he threw it to another principal and they threw it back to me. And over eight months, this complete sports failure did not drop the ball once. Oh my God. And congratulations. That's something I definitely remember is I was like, look, I do sports too. I'm so amazed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a sporty girl. Um, now when there are two casts of kids, you guys, mm-hmm. they made a cast recording and there also was like opening night. How did they decide who was doing, did you get to do opening? Do you get to, I do, got cl- to do opening and closing? Okay. So that oh my God. Definitely. We called ourselves with the law cast and the bow cast. So I was in the law cast and the law cast, um, did opening and closing. And for now pre- did the, the bow cast, were they annoyed about that? No, I, you know, this, I really think there was something about this group of kids and parents is that for most people in this room, it was their first Broadway show. Joe, it was like Joe Jonas's first Broadway show. And while Nick had been in like 85, Nick had a longer resume. Correct. Than he, I got to get him on this. Let me write that down. Yeah, more. honestly, Nick <laughs> Jonas. We should get Joe too. I mean, like, yeah, there was like Joe Jonas. Jonas. <laughs> they, they, they really was a very normal group of kids. It, and I had like grown up going to dance classes with all the little kids who were in Annie Get Your Gun and Annie and all of these things. And I was like, I was so painfully jealous of them. And I also knew the moms were nuts. Like the kids were were tuned up and the moms were crazy. And like my mom was never like that. And in that group of kids I was in, like, we didn't have that. So there wasn't that heightened sense of like competition. Like, I remember I came back for closing. I missed the last like four or five shows. Cause I wanted to go to camp. Like that's how normal I was. Like, oh, that's very I was sweet. Like, I'm going to go to camp. I'll come back for closing. And the girl who had my track in the other show, like did it. And then I did closing. Like there wasn't a lot of like the drama that mm-hmm. normally accompanies being a Broadway kid. And it was so easy to be like, I'm not doing this one. Like, or like Allison, like if she needed to go to a school dance or something like I would do her show and she like, we would swap in and out. Like it really was like, I, I said this before, like we, we hear all these horror stories of what these kids endure with the mothers. Like I can tell you stories of close friends of mine who really like endured some crap. I think the mom stuff, if, if anyone is interested in my opinion happens yeah. because parents don't have anywhere to go. 90% of the moms that are doing this job of being a stage mom um, are coming in from Westchester, New Jersey, Long Island, Philly, whatever. And they're driving in, they're waiting for their kids to finish their show. And then they're driving back or whatever it is. And so they have like five hours sometimes to just sit and do nothing. But, and that I think sometimes causes some of the drama that is happening backstage at Broadway shows. So I I say they should put the moms in the shows too. Like they'll have something to do. So were there other big Broadway auditions that were happening like after Labo M, during Labo M? Now you're a Broadway kid. It kind of puts you in a different echelon of child actor. I don't, to be honest, no. I mean, I, I really, and I like, I like hold this, like it's like such a chip, but like, I just wasn't one of those kids who looked like a kid anymore. Like when the show Mm -hmm. ended, like I was like, I was 13 and there wasn't a lot of stuff for that. Um, I, I was like, I remember one time I was like up for a show on the CW that was like going to film in Africa, like that, like randomly happened or like. 
And then like when spring awakening happened, that was a really big deal. Like I was like in the final mix for that, like over a hundred times and I did never got it. Um, stuff like that. And I remember being like, cause that was like one opportunity for teenagers who yeah. didn't look like they were four. And then something happened like when I was 16, this was like probably right around the time spring awakening was like starting to kick around. Nancy started sending me out for adult jobs and I started doing really well. Like I was in final callbacks for Eponine when Leigh Michelle dropped out of that Leigh Miz revival. Which I was we in, talked about a couple of weeks ago on this podcast. <laughs> I was in final callbacks for Sophie and Mama Mia a bunch. And then it just kept coming down to this thing where they'd be like, wait, she's 16. She's in high school. That's like, we're not gonna, she, She's not going to emancipate herself. We don't want to pay for, for this. Like we're not going to put a 17 year old show, but I was starting to like, I was doing well, like yeah. for being a kid. Um, so then you must have been like, well, then the next logical thing is that I'm going to go to college and do this. This is the thing I'm doing. Was there a moment during those teen years where you were like, I want to do something else or I'm interested in journalism? <laughs> no, that's so funny. You say, my mom was a journalist. It's so funny you say that. No, there really wasn't. I think I always knew that this was going to be my thing. I didn't know what my path was going to be for college. I, I like really didn't apply to a lot of musical theater programs. I applied to like a lot of Ivy League schools, which was like really the path that my high school was sending everybody on. Um, and I like threw three musical theater programs into the mix. And I honestly thought I would stay in New York City. I would like continue studying with my voice teacher, Joan Later. I would just take acting classes. I would take dance classes. And I would just like get a normal college degree because I was always told and taught that that was, you know, I, I do, do believe in education. Like I, I just, I can talk about that forever. But like, um, I got into Columbia and I was like, I'll just do that. And I got into Michigan and it was really down to those two schools for me. And Michigan affords is probably the only musical theater program. I think the only musical theater program of its standing that enables students to double major at like a world-class university. So um, when it came down to it, I said no to Columbia and I, I went to Michigan. I felt so crazy. What is, yeah. What is your other major? What other thing did you major in? I double majored in English. Um, I was like a very high achieving, you know, I was one of those kids. Those <laughs> three days and like was 99th percentile on the SAT. Like, oh, I was okay. Like, all right. All right. And like all of that sort of stuff. I was a kid who missed 140 days of school. Like I was not. <laughs> we were very different teenagers. Different kids. Different yeah. kids. My, my graduation uh, cake was a bear that said barely made it. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, school is not for every theater kid, but I'm glad it was for you. It um, was for me, yeah. All right. So when, is it true that you interned for Lynn Manuel Miranda? Yes, I did. Okay. So yeah, I did. Oh my God, what is that story? Right. When did that happen? Um, so... My senior year of high school, Hunter, as I said, is accelerated, like basically two years. We so know, my- Sam, Hunter is an accelerated Hunter, education Hunter, program. Did you guys do musicals there before you yeah, got to Lynn? What were we your seat? Like, what were your musicals you did in high school? I always ask that we, question. We did um, Edwin Drood. So random. We did Damn Yankees. We okay. did Into the Woods. We did Grease. I did Grease when I was in eighth grade and I was in the ensemble and all the seniors were really mean to me. And then Sandy got sick and I replaced her for two shows and all the seniors were really nice to me. And then Sandy came back and they were mean to me again. Mean to me again. That's how (laughs) (laughs) Never forget. Well, I think I'm missing some. Oh, we did Little Shop of Horrors. Those were our musicals. All right. Those are good shows. Okay. Back to Lynn. So how did you wind up interning for Lynn Manuel Miranda? So to replace classes, they had an internship program and kids would like go all over the city working for all sorts of different things. And the woman who ran, I wasn't planning on doing it. And the woman who ran the program came up to me one day at the end of my junior year. And she was like, Lynn Manuel Miranda wants an intern. Like, do you know anyone who would do it? And I was like, (laughs) what? Like, obviously me. 
Um, and so that, that was, was like my, In the Heights was on Broadway at that point, I'm imagining. That was as In the Heights was going from off Broadway to Broadway. So that okay. was that to me. Um, so I helped out with all sorts of like little things. Like at one point I recorded some demos and he, was, he told me the story once he was like playing demos for Jeffrey Seller and Jeffrey was like, who's that singer? And he was like, you cast her when she was 12 in level. <laughs> Oh my God. That's so weirdly full circle. So weirdly full circle. It's also, has it been weird to watch that meteoric rise from the guy you knew who was like trying to get a show to Broadway to the most famous musical theater maker in the history of our mm-hmm. lives? Um, honestly, no, because it makes such sense. And also anybody who knows him, like he's really, he really is as fun and nice as he seems. Like it's not some sort of facade. Like he really is like, I sometimes would come over and he'd be like, you want to order pizza and play guitar hero? And I was like, Sure. That like, sounds very creepy, but go ahead. No, oh my God. I know. I know. He's not doing things, but like, I don't know. Yeah. It no, was, I get it. He, it was like, please, please take that out. Oh my God. No, um, you have to keep it. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, it was just like, he's so. He's like he, a real person and like, person. like yes. he'll text me on my birthday or like, he's never, he really is like a wonderful, he is, he seems like one of those wonderful unicorns and he is a wonderful unicorn. So you graduate from college. It's obviously you're going to hit the ground running being like, you know, I'm sure. Did you get a new agent by the time you graduated high school or or did you, I mean, college or did you stay with Nancy? I switched to showcase. I mean, I also, I very much wanted to like shed that sense of self. I love Nancy, like Nancy's family. Um, But it was important. Like, I, I, I think I like, I mentioned this to you over email, but like, when I got to Michigan, like I remember there was like a Facebook group and it was like, this is our class. Like I didn't tell anybody I was on Broadway. Like I didn't want anyone to think I was special or I'd gotten in on any other, you know, like I just wanted to be like everyone else. Like, yeah. Um, and then I remember one of my classmates was like, did you guys know Sam was on Broadway? And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, you know, I had like a few little connections, but I really wanted to start fresh and be seen as an adult. Um, and I think Michigan afforded me the opportunity to do that because I went away and I came back. Yeah, I don't um, think that would have happened if you had gone to Columbia and just stayed. It would have just been, uh, there's like a reset that happens for Broadway kids when they go away to school for four years. Yeah. And they get to kind of cook in a different way um, where they're kind of not special. Yeah. Um, they're or, or they're only special within that group. So obviously you're starting again. How long was it between graduation and, and making your Broadway return in Fiddler on the Roof? You used to call it my Broadway review. <laughs> um, I... I booked it like two years after I graduated. All right. So what were those first two years like? Um, I did like two encore shows, which was really wonderful. Like that felt like a huge win for me. I'm a huge musical theater nerd. I'd grown up seeing encores. Like I wrote- Listen, I see your records behind you, which yeah, my audience music. can't see. But you know, it's like you got you got your Fiddler, your Funny Girl, your Baby, your yeah. Follies, your Sound of Music albums, like all framed. I love it. You should see you the full collection. Like I'm a loser. I- <laughs> I like, I loved, like, I wrote Jack Fertel a letter and I was like, I just can't tell you how much it means to me to be a part of encores. Like, I yeah. think that's like stuff like that, that sort of sense of institution meant a lot to me. Um, and then I, um, I booked Hunchback. So I went out to La Jolla Playhouse and I did that. We had like a week or three weeks, four weeks. I don't know. We had some time off and then we did it at Paper Mill and then we didn't go to Broadway. And then like a month later, I booked Fiddler. All right. Well, yeah. I'm sure doing, you know, Hunchback must have felt like a really big deal working with Stephen Schwartz mm-hmm. on sort of the creation of this new musical version. And you had a really nice role in that show. Um, tell me a little bit about sort of creating uh, that show. Hunchback was, yeah. Hunchback was so cool. Um, we had, I feel like I sound like such a cheese ball, but it was really a great family in that we were in the Hoya Playhouse. Like, I think like right before I left, I had gone through like a really horrible breakup. And I remember like landing in San Diego and I was like, Oh, <sighs> like it just felt great. Um, 
Yeah, I loved the show. I love the music. Being in the room with Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz, it's like, it, that's really an unbeatable duo. I was there with one of my best friends from college. Nora Menken was in the show with me. Um, and they like miraculously like placed our apartments next to each other. So we were just like, we had a ball. All of the, this was a little bit before that like lab workshop contract where actors got a piece of the pie, but like we probably would have for this. Like all of the like gargoyles have specific names that are based on things that we created and the solos are based on things that we created. And I was there to understudy Esmeralda and then I had a featured role and then I, you know, sang a bunch of, yeah, I'm very easy to pick out on the album. I sound like (laughs) a cutie little cherub. Um, and, and that created your relationship with Steven Schwartz, which we're going to mm-hmm. get to in a second. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, it seems like it's working. Uh, did you have a moment where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm here. I'm doing the thing that I set out to do. Yeah. I'm a working actor and I'm an adult. It does feel different than being a kid. And it feels like to me, and we talk about it a lot on this podcast is that the, someone else checking their box as an adult and saying you're good enough still. Yes feels like a huge win to a child actor. I completely felt that. And I also felt like I was in a room of legends, like of real tastemakers. Like in college, I had worked at the Muni a lot, which was like a very coveted summer stock job. And I was like, I like loved being there, but like I always used to joke, like I was always like casting the lame shows. Like I was in Kiss Me Kate. And like, <laughs> was, like kids were in Beauty and the Beast and like little Legally Blonde. I was like, that's cool. Like I want to be in that. That. And I remember when I booked Hunchback, I was like, I got to be in the Disney show. Like that meant something to my early nineties childhood self. Um, yeah, Hunchback was to have those types of relationships with Alan and Steven and Michael Kozarin and, and the people at Disney and like that felt, and also the story was so special, like 40 year old grown men were crying in the audience and we were like, okay, maybe we're doing something cool here. Like, Did you have a Hunchback connection? Like where had you been obsessed with the movie like as a kid or? I had, I mean, like I was, I was of that age where all of those, the films of that era were all a very big deal. Um, this was just, I remember that audition and I just remember being like, I could really get this. Like this is, they were looking for big classical people who could really sing classical, who could understudy Esmeralda. I was like, this could be something I could do really easily. And you did Um, it. And and I did it. Great. Yeah. All right. Let's check in on Fiddler. So you return back to the same theater that I love that. Like Samantha only plays the Broadway. (laughs) Um, It's very exciting. So to do Fiddler on the Roof, the last major revival, tell me what it felt like to be back in that building just as like from having been there as a kid. It was thrilling. It also hasn't changed at all. Um, I hear the mold is really out of control over there at the Broadway. Um, We were also, because of the way like dressing rooms shaked out, I was also on the same floor that I'd been in as a child. So like I had signed at the bottom of a dresser and like that was still there and like you could find it and that was kind of cool. It was amazing. I mean, to be a part of a show that iconic, that's like such a jewel box thing as a Jewish American woman who grew up with this piece of theater culture, like so ingrained in my bloodstream. Yeah. It doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean? Like this, it really felt like, I, I it just felt it was amazing. And it was also your child, one of your two's childhood obsession shows. So yes, it must've felt like a very big moment. It was a very big moment. Yeah. I also, another one of those things, like I, I remember when they announced that this was happening, I was like, oh my God, if I'm not in this. I will die. Um, 
And it was like the audition process. Like I went in and like, I was told I was probably going to get a call back, but it took like two months. And apparently at one point they were like exploring using actual teenagers. And I just remember being like, this is not fair. Okay. I ain't shot of this. And now you're doing this backwards thing. And like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, um, and then I had a final callback and things had like 15 women there for all three. And then two days later they brought in four women for the final three. And it was me, Melanie and Alan, another woman for Seidel. And we did. And like, did they? How did they tell you you got it? We did like a quick mix and match. It was like me, Alan, Melanie, and then me, Melanie, and the other woman. So like Melanie and I were like, "Did we get it?" <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then at one point they had the other woman who was up for set to like sing the Hoddle songs. I think they were going to make they were going to offer her a cover. Um, who and she turned it down. But um, I remember we like finished for Sheldon, and Sheldon went. Let's send him on the road. And we were like, oh my God. Oh my like, God, it's happening. Oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> and then I got a call from my agents that afternoon and they were like, you're not going to know. It was a Friday. They were like, you're not going to know um, until the end of the weekend. So just like go have a nice night. And I was like, ugh. I and can't then have a nice night until I know. Nice night. Um, and then at 5 p.m. I got a call and they were like, just getting you booked it. <laughs> oh my God, that must have felt so magical. It was very fun. Who's yeah. the first person you call when something like that happens? Um, I was living at home at the time, but my mom was on a trip. I think my mom was in, I don't remember my mom. So I FaceTimed my mom and I was like, I got the job. And that was Oh, great. that is so awesome. So uh, what was it like sort of doing this long magical run of, you know, Fiddler, this big Broadway theater starring Danny Burstein, who's the best we got. Yeah, um, it must've felt like a, a pretty special experience for you. It was an extremely special experience for me. I mean, that part feels so close to who I am in so many ways. Like, um, so that felt really great. It was also like a great learning experience for me of like how to do this and keep it fresh and stay in it. I also, I mean, like, I don't, something I, I look back on that experience and I feel like I learned a lot about postmortem is like how to not put an extraordinary amount of pressure on yourself, which is certainly something I did. Um, and so how do you avoid that in your next job? Do you know what I mean? You know, I think it's like a sense of trust and just knowing that you are enough. Like I remember going from Fiddler and then like a year later I was doing Rags and I was like, I'm singing 16 songs in one night and I just am trusting that I am like we're in Fiddler. You know, I would like, I was like, I'm, I have to sing the pretty song. I must be perfect. Like I had a sense of that for sure. Um, but I mean that show doing Fiddler was like, I was telling the story of my people um, Fiddler is set in the year that my family left Europe. Like it, this, it, there's so it much. It feels like, like it's your DNA. Yeah. It feels like it's my DNA. And it was just like, I can't really imagine a better show for me to have had this opportunity with. Like, I love the role. I love the piece. My favorite lyric of all time has always been playing with matches. A girl can get burned. And like, I, there was just so many things of it that were just like, wow, this is the thing. It's the thing. Um, now, obviously that show ran for a bit. You had a really nice run. It was very well received. Yeah. Um, what is like the hard thing about trying to, you know, keep up this like eight show week in a show that people care a lot about? I imagine there is some, the, the dark side of fabulous. How hard is it to kind of keep that uh, going in a three hour musical that feels very heavy at times? And Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. I mean, the dark side of fabulous also was just like, and I think a lot of probably young women will say this about like the first time they had like a big crack at something is they felt an enormous amount of pressure to like be the best and like not the best in the company, but like be your best and like sound perfect and like have all those things. And I like, I didn't quite know the, the middle ground of like how to live to prepare for the show, but also not live like a nun. 
like I just felt like I had to like do all the things and take all the vitamins and like be perfect, perfect, <laughs> perfect. And like, I don't even know what that means, but like, that is like an anxiety I definitely had. Um, I that's just, that's just like, youth. That's just maybe. like, yeah. <laughs> You're- yeah. I, I definitely started to learn that like my show would sort of like adjust every two weeks. Like I would discover something new, which sort of kept things interesting. Um, the show though, I mean, it never, I'd be lying if, I mean, every actor will say this to you. Like there are certainly nights where you're just like, oh, not tonight. Like <laughs> I'm so tired. We've done 10 in a row. And like, all I want is to get matzo ball soup at the diner. But like, um, the show is, the show is just so beautiful that like any moment you sort of have like that gets di- dissipates. You kind so of wa- get to wash it away. Um, I want to jump to sort of this next really big moment for you, which was rags, um, yes. which was a, a Broadway disaster originally. Mm-hmm. And, um, you were involved in, uh, kind of recreating the lead role, which might as well be Fiddler part two, if you're unfamiliar with rags and, um, you know, this, this sort of new version of rags that was workshopped and then presented at good speed. And then everyone thought maybe it'd be coming in right away. So I just want to talk a little bit about that process, um, and what it was like to sort of re dive into a show that has never historically worked. Yeah. Honestly, so fascinating. I had, you know, one thing I'll say as I preface this story is that like, if any young actors are listening to this, like two pieces of advice are like help other actors one and two, the only person who's going to, no one is going to advocate for you better than you. Those are like two pieces of advice. I did a concert with Emily Paget, and afterwards she was like, this is so random, but give me your contact information. And her, I think they were engaged at the time. Josh Young mm-hmm. was, he was like, I'm, he's doing this reading of this thing. Um, he was like, they're looking for someone to replace Jesse Mueller who had done it at roundabout when it was at that time, a very different, it was just like a little bit edited, not the type of version of the show we did. Um, she's not available. They need someone for this rags reading. And I was like, sure. And I gave my info, um, and she forwarded it on to the producer and nothing ever happened, but that was just like, someone just extended me a hand. Um, and I never forget that because we, I think it's important to, that we do nice things like that. Um, anyway, I, I was like in a lesson with Joan later and like, I, for some reason, like she pulled out the song rags and she was like, I mentioned that I heard of this reading and she was like, you should email Steven. And I was like, no, I can't like, <laughs> I'm afraid. even though like Steven had been nothing, like there's a huge solo I sing in hunchback that like was supposed to be with the choir. And at one point he was like, give it to Sam. And like, that's like my big thing on the album is like, I sing this Latin thing. Like he was like an advocate for me in that room. And I just, I emailed him and I was like, hi, Steven. I hear you're doing this. I was like, I think I might be very right for this job, for this role. I never do this. Here is my resume and headshot. I'm with these people. And he was like, I think you're very right for this too. Thank you so much for emailing me. He was like, you put this idea in my mind. And he set me up with an appointment. And it was for Rebecca because in their version that they were, they call it revisal. Um, they had aged down the role like 20 years. Um, or I guess like 10 years. I don't know. But yeah. she was supposed to be in her late 20s. And I was like, Rebecca, wow. And Rebecca in the revisal also sings the title song. Because mm-hmm. um, it's been very rewritten. Oh, I know. I saw it in London. The um, oh, God, love to talk about that. <laughs> I'm happy to. It was maybe one of the worst things I've ever seen in my whole life. Oh my but that's a side. I love rags. I was in it as a kid. I was in the Long Island premiere of rags. 
don't ask for my autograph too quickly. But uh, it was I, it was really a magical experience for me as a kid. And I feel like people who have done rags have that same experience every time that it's just like, it feels really special to be in. And yeah. maybe it's because it's this broken piece of art. I don't know. It feels like you're a part of like a cult, like you're part of like a, a weird, like niche theater history thing. Like I feel yeah. like it would feel the same as like being in Carrie. Um, yeah. So I went in and then they kept three of us to sing for Charles and Steven. And then I got the job for the reading and they made me like do the reading. And then they were like, do you want to come do this thing at good speed? And when I say the show was brand new, I mean, like if you were familiar with the Broadway cast recording, you would be very surprised. Like there was a moment, like when we were at good speed, like Steven wrote me a new song. Like we were Stephen always said like, cause people had always for years been like, let's try the rags again. And like, and Stephen, they would like, he calls it rearranging the deck chairs. He'd be like, mm-hmm. I'll put this number here and this number here. And when Goodspeed reached out about working on this, I guess he was like, I'm happy to do it, but I do not want to rearrange the deck chairs. I want to redo, rebuild the boat, rebuild the boat. Um, yeah. yeah so it, we did it at Goodspeed and that girl who dropped out of Lab OM, they were like looking for someone to play Bella. And I was like, you got to hire Sarah Kapner. And we taped her and she ended up getting it. So we, we did the show together. And actually, oh my God, like, that's so cool. That's a great story. Like crazy. I was like, I emailed the casting director of um, Lab OM, who's still at Telsey. And I was like, you don't remember this, but like you cast both of us. She dropped out when we were children and now we're best friends and we're doing another show together. And I sent her a picture and she was like, oh my God. <laughs> It seems like in the last couple of years, you've been doing a lot of film and TV stuff. And it feels like maybe your career is moving in that way. Is that like on purpose? Is that because of, you know, COVID? Is that because tell me where, where we're going, Sam? Yeah. Honestly, like when I think about what I want to be doing and this is, you know, lofty, it's like, I really, I just really want to be a working actor. Like I want to work. I love working on television. I've worked very hard to like flex that muscle. Like I've, you know, that was that was like a big thing for me to over. I mean, like after rags, like I feel like I came back or maybe before rags, like I just started like, I was like taking every class and like do da 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 and like really getting in. And that's when I just started having the bookings happen. Um, but I just wasn't practicing that because that wasn't something I was taught. And it really is very different. Um, I want, I mean, I really want to do that. And I, I really like, and the rags experience taught me this. Like, I really like having a seat at the table. Um, like doing Flamingo Kid, like I want to be out of town crafting roles and, and, and being a part of the development of a show that to me is what's very exciting. Yeah. It's not to say like, I obviously like I'm a huge revival freak. Like I would love to be in some big thing like that, but like, I really do. I love that experience. I love it. Um, you are such a delight. What is there anything coming up that's next for you that you're excited about? Is there a concert? I've seen you at 54 Below. You're a wonderful concert mm-hmm. artist. You have such a gorgeous voice. What Thanks. are you working on anything like that? Is there anything coming up for you that we can plug here? Um, sort of. Um, I so speaking of like wanting to have a seat at the table, um, I'm gonna plug my friend show. My friend, um, one of my best friends, um, she's the winner of this year's Billy Burke Ziegfeld Award. Um, she's a musical theater composer, and she's written an extraordinary piece of theater called Double Helix, which we just were able to do a reading of, and um, I think it's going to have some big legs. Um, but Double Helix tells the story of Rosalind Franklin. Do you know about this? No. Oh my God, this is when you when I tell you, you're literally going to be like, okay, um, listen, listen in, pump up the volume, um, listeners. So at the end of World War II, there was like a big, like, I'm going to call it like an arms race among scientific institutions around the world to discover the structure of DNA, which is considered the greatest scientific discovery of our time, period, like end of sentence. Um, and this young woman, Rosalind Franklin, was an x-ray crystallographer, which it's going to take me too long to explain, but she's a big science lady. 
Um, and she was in a man's world and she was brought to King's College in London to work on deoxyribose nucleic acid, DNA. Um, and basically she was treated horribly by her male colleagues. And like, she was just like a woman who just like wanted to do her work. And she takes a photo called Photograph 51 and it shows the structure to be a helix. And her lab partner takes it and gives it to Watson and Crick and they go on to win the Nobel Prize and she never finds out. Oh my God. So Madeline is writing a musical about the discovery of the structure of DNA and Rosalind Franklin's piece in the story, which has really been left out of the dominant cultural narrative of how we know this came to be. Do you play that part? I do. And I've been doing it since like, I, we, I've been doing it like since she came up with the idea. Like it's a very, um, anyway, it's really an exceptional, I feel like one thing I really treasure about it is like, no one is writing like this anymore. She's writing like in a classical, I would say Adam Gettle-esque style. Yeah. Oh, I'm into that. Is that happening somewhere? Is there going to be a record? Like when, when can we see that? Um, when I think the earliest you'll see it on a stage stage, it'll probably be in a year and a half. Um, but the development process kicked off with a real bang. We're very excited about it. It's a, it's really, it's a piece that's like very of the moment and it's, it's sung through. It's just, it's something really special. So I just try and Plug it everywhere you can. Yes. We're, I love hearing it first here. Um, all right. We are going to do the Broadway workshop quick fire questions. Are you ready? I will try. First audition song. Probably tomorrow. (laughs) It's a gem, isn't it? All right. Do, uh, people ever confuse you or call you Samantha Maselli, Alyssa Milano's character on who's the boss? Wait, oh my God. I didn't know that. What? That's all. Like anytime I see your name, I'm like, oh, Samantha Maselli, which is oh Alyssa You're Milano's lying. character on Who's the Boss. I did well, not know that. Now, wow. just add um, a Y. But people do always say Samantha Massel, and I'm like, no. I mean, I may have thought that's what it was. Okay, no, it's fine, Miss Yeah, I, I got it right. Um, artists you'd like to work with that you haven't? I mean, Stephen Sondheim. Laura Benanti is my literal number one hero. I'm obsessed with Isn't she the greatest? greatest? Um, Okay, what show would you like to do with Patti Lapone that's not Gypsy? Damn it, you took I was going to be like, (laughs) Gypsy and replace Laura Benanti. got it. Um, Honestly, just like sign me up to be Patti Lapone's kid in literally anything. I'm a Patti Lapone and Laura Benanti freak. Yes. Um, What is your go-to album for a car trip? Hmm... I, honestly, my mom and I feel like we always used to listen to um, The Into the Woods with Laura Benanti and I would sing all the parts. And oh my now God. my boyfriend, he's like, listen, listen to NFL radio. And I'm like, please. <gasps> please God. Uh, um, can you name two Real Housewives? <laughs> Ramona mm-hmm. and Blue. Lou Ann? Okay, great. Okay, so you do not watch The Real Housewives. Um, (laughs) Did you see Linda Etter and Jekyll and Hyde? No, but I love that voice. Oh my God, favorite. Um, Do you do any impressions? Maybe. Of what? You're going to like do it? Do I have to do it? You should do it. Okay, great. enjoyable. Okay. Or how not Moon's family. Family means that nobody that's left behind or forgotten. God, that is really good. Thank you. I can also do Audra McDonald singing My Stupid Mouth by John Mayer, but we'll save that for a rainy day. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm going to do that when we hang up. If you could pick your own name, what would it have been? (laughs) As a child, I literally was like, why is my name not Crystal? (laughs) Crystal. Um, Okay. Most memorable performance you have ever seen? Oh my god, you're exhausting. I know. I I was in Gypsy with Patty Lapone in Chicago before Broadway. We all got fired. Um, Yeah, it's a it's a 
it's a wonderful memory. Oh my God, I'm so you, sorry. Not only you, am I repetitive. No, it's okay. It was great. It was a great, it was a great time. I literally, had I done that show on Broadway, I wouldn't be doing a single thing I'm doing now. Um, what is your favorite smell? Ooh, I had a candle that was discontinued and I think about it all the time and it was mm. charcoal and sage. Okay. Um, are you into true crime? And if so, what crime would you like to have solved? Um, God, I don't know if I'm into, I like, I love those documentaries. But I don't know if I'm like, oh, well, wait, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Oh God. The girl who was robbed on the beach. Was it in Portugal? There was a huge documentary on Netflix and I was like, I'm going to solve this. <laughs> like, All right. What's her name? What is, it's what like a huge name is missing child case. Oh, Madeline McCain. Oh my God. Like what happened to her? <laughs> what happened? I think we are going to find out very soon. I think things wait, are, really? Yeah. We can talk about it later. Um, I should really have a true crime podcast. Um, have you sung Metal Lark alone in your room? Of course. Great. Last Broadway show you saw? Um, I just saw my friend Anna in Chicago. Awesome. What movie can you watch over and over again? You've Got Mail. And what advice do you have for young actors? Stay in your lane, focus on your work. Don't watch the people around you. I know I sound like such a Michigan graduate. That's what everybody says. <laughs> um, but also um, try as much as you can to learn about the world. Yes. Um, Sam, tell the people where they can follow you and find out what you're up to. And when we can see a musical about DNA. Yes. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at, at S-M-A-S-S-E-L-L Sings. Smithell Sings. I, um, I will do that today. And I'm on Twitter and all, I guess all the other things. I don't know what TikTok is yet. I, I can't I can't figure it out. I'm too old. You're <laughs> much younger than me. You should be able to have no problem with this TikTok. No, honestly, when we were doing Fiddler, they were like, can you guys do a Snapchat takeover? And Al Silber and I were like, a what? A what? Who they had to send us a handbook. <laughs> oh my God, that is amazing. Um, Samantha, thank you for taking the time today. It was so fun to hear your Broadway story. Thank I you hope that you had a good time telling it. <laughs> I had the best time. This was actually such a treat. I never talk about this and I it was a treat. So thank you. Well, it's on record now, always here at the Little Me <laughs> Podcast. Friends, thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the Little Me Podcast, make sure to subscribe and rate and give me a five-star review. Also, it's fine if you don't. And follow me at Mark Tuminelli on Instagram and follow the Little Me Podcast at Little Me Podcast. Sam, We'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Woo! Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash little me. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at thattuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.